are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Austin, and of course, we always have the formidable Mike present with us. Hello. Hello. Formidable. Formidable, yes. Really? Yes, it's good. We actually, we should do an episode without me, I think, because I've been on every episode. It's kind of our podcast. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, 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 that, that is very true. Okay, anyway, let's, um, let's focus. So, what is our topic for today, Austin? Our topic for today, Michael, is reincarnation. <laughs> you kind of laughed as you said that. Reincarnation. Reincarnation. All right, and I, I want to just do a quick shout out. One of our listeners uh, suggested this topic. Uh, so, Vanessa, thank you so much for the suggestion. Um, we uh, are hopefully going to talk about some some stuff that'll be helpful to you and to of course everybody else who listens so all right let's let's dive in um austin how would you how would you explain the concept of reincarnation to someone say that who was like very new and 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 i want to clarify someone that would um in a way that would differ from what many of us are hearing from you know uh eastern spiritual practices like buddhism hinduism these kinds of things Right? Explaining reincarnation to someone, say, from the perspective of a witch. From the perspective of a witch, we understand that um, energy is neither created nor destroyed. And so reincarnation, as everything is energy, we are souls, our spirits, is just energy. That energy cannot be destroyed. So therefore, it is just recycled. Okay. And it just so happens that we get a little bit of growth that comes with it. All right. Okay. I would, I would agree. I, I, I often tell people when I've, um, you know, had this discussion, you know, that it's good of, I think for us to consider this life experience as something like just like one chapter in a book, you know, and when we finish this life, when we finish that chapter, that doesn't mean the book is done unless it was a lame book. Right. And you're like, I'm just going to put this back on the shelf. Um, but instead, usually, like, we just, we turn the page and we're on to the next chapter, right? Mm-hmm. And some yeah. of the characters are maybe different, you know, and the story has evolved, but... Um, but chapter book... may be longer or shorter. Exactly, exactly. But um, but the, the overall, the story continues, right? So, all right. Um, since we kind of started there, um, what what are some different beliefs on, on reincarnation? Some that you've heard or some that, some that we've kind of actually experienced through the work that we do. Well, the most common one always relates to some sort of karma or dharma where we what we do in one life affects how we come back in the other you know we have big yawn sorry um when we have it's nap time i just haven't had enough coffee today okay when we have um other concepts like uh in the east with hinduism there's the caste system right and there are some beliefs where you cannot be born into a, a, a different caste, or that's literally what you're trying to do, is you're trying to be born into the next caste up because of whatever reason. Yeah. You know? So <clears throat> we do have things like that. We have other things about, like, spiritual enlightenment and growth. Um, so... I always like the idea that if you were bad in this life, you'd come back as a cockroach in the next. Okay. That was always a fun one for me. Yeah. Um, because... Well, we know that... Well, I mean, we know that that is a belief, mm-hmm. right? But we also know that that's not really how it works. Yeah. Um, 
Let's talk about, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit too in a minute, I think. Sorry, I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. I was, I guess, um, I cut you off again. Ha ha. Um, That's fine. So when I talk about different beliefs, okay, or differing, differing beliefs, I think um, what I'm really kind of talking about is the, what, what, what would you say, like, what is the purpose of reincarnation when you think about that as a spiritual process that potentially everybody Though, though beliefs may differ, that potentially everybody is going through. We're all going through something like this, mm -hmm. right? A process of reincarnation, lifetime after lifetime. Um, what's, the, what's the purpose? What's the benefit to something like that? The benefit is to... The benefit is to the collective, ultimately, is what I... Is the collective? We, the collective, because... Okay. As we, I know that makes me sound like a light worker, but no, you'll you'll find concepts like the collective consciousness existed way before New Age and light worker philosophies did. So, basically, <clears throat> as we can grow and as we can learn from whatever lessons in this life or past lives, those lessons and that knowledge and that experience has been added into that collective. Thus, when new souls are born. You know, when new things are created, mm -hmm. um, they're more prepared, I guess, with okay. a little bit of that. Okay. So, so you raise an interesting point there without realizing that you were doing so. Okay. And I want to kind of talk about or this because this I? does, most of the things that you say are interesting, Austin. I think anybody who has had a chance to meet you will agree that you say some very interesting things. Interesting. Pop socket. Um, <clears throat> what? Um, so the, the point that you, you raised, okay, or what you kind of touched upon there, and I, and I want to I want to talk about this a little bit because this is actually a conversation that I had with Vlad recently. Um, there are some new age gurus out there, self-appointed new age gurus out there, who push this belief or this idea that all of the separate souls, basically every consciousness, every separate soul, is really primarily just a splinter or like a fractured piece of what would be one giant soul. So in essence, you and I are, through the process of reincarnation, eventually going to be able to re-merge with like the God soul, right? Which I think, I think we've had enough interaction with the dead and we've talked a lot with souls uh, even non-human kinds of souls, like discarnates and things who have a chance to kind of see, I think, processes of reincarnation from the outside kind of a perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Who have all said, that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, like, you're all connected, certainly, but you are also separate pieces. Like, you are, you are, or, or not separate pieces, excuse me. You are separate, but you are also whole within yourself. Yeah. Like, you don't need to become a part of something like this because you, you already carry that within you yeah okay all right so i just thought it was interesting because you kind of touched upon that a little bit and i was like oh god it's so interesting that that would come up again because i was just having this conversation with vlad do, do you agree with that I, like, I, no like, I, am I, I putting words in your mouth or do you, you no i do agree with that <clears throat> i agree with that we are all different and though we all may have some spark of divine within us that does not mean that eventually at the end of our incarnation or our reincarnation sorry reincarnation cycle 
our incarnative cycle uh, that we... Another big yawn. You gotta quit yawning, dude. <sighs> Sorry. I'm gonna put our it. listeners to sleep. I have two managers laying on me right now. You do. It's probably very warm. It's very comfy. But um, that we then just become one thing to the whole. That that to me really makes me go, then then why am I why am I doing this? Exactly. Because like it like, sounds sounds like very quasi religious. Yes, it's very culty. Yeah, and I'm me. not here for that. I the things that I do are mine. I do those things. And just because they may benefit a whole group of people or it may benefit everyone that doesn't mean that 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 is the ultimate end that means that i am contributing to the whole (laughs) what no do go on continue to discuss the whole No, I, please, please do continue your point. Um, but I contribute to to the whole so that it may benefit everyone on their own path. Okay. Uh, on their own individual. Well, because we can share information, right? Yes. Like, you know, and that's going to be something else that we're going to talk about in a few moments. We're going to talk about the concept of something like a soul contract. You know, what that really is, what the purpose of that is. Right? So... You and I have had conversations in the past because you and I, through some of the work that we've done, we actually have both had the ability to go back and uh, somewhat consciously experience past incarnations, our personal Mm -hmm. past incarnations. You know, like I know that, um, you know, a lifetime ago, I know that I had um, an opportunity that I, I, I was living at that point as a black man in on the East Coast. You know, and and I have memories now that that regression work is done. I actually have memories and, and conscious associations of things that I um, was involved in and valued in that lifetime. The things that kind of made me who I was in that lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, and I carry all of that in me, right? Today, you know, the memory is there, the experience is there. Although I'm a very different physical person now. Um, but I know you also, you have memories of prior incarnations. I, I do. In one of our, I think London listens... I think London listens to the podcast. Yeah. Um, but one of our, at this point, she's a friend of mine, um, as well as a voice student and colleague. She, um, London, she's, she, she made a crack t- the other day because I was, I was waking up the ancestral altar and, you know, saying some prayers and I acknowledged Marie Laveau and some other beloved and mighty dead that we have. And she looked at me, she was like, Wow, it must be really hard for this for you. This is your only lifetime as a white person, and I, I I can honestly say like, yeah, even in my most recent life where I was where my nonna considered me her sister, mm-hmm. our family was very olive. Yeah. We were very olive <clears throat> olive toned, and yeah. so this is my first life where I've been. As pale as I am. <laughs> where you've been Caucasian. Where I've been Caucasian. Um, and and finding concealer is hard, guys. It's true. We were just looking today. Oh, my God. It is, it is, it's quite quite the journey. You know, and so um, so I, I still have those memories. Like, I'll have memories of ritual work that I was doing when I was living one of my lives in, in New Orleans. And it 
it's so it creates almost like this cognitive dissonance within me because hmm. that is not this life. Well, I, I mean, that's, but I have that, that memory and it's, that information. It's in yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, you know, um, you and I, because we're both now relating experiences where we both have had in prior lifetimes, the opportunity to be, you know, uh, you know, people who are black or people of mm-hmm. color. Right. You know, and I, I think that it's important to talk about that for just a moment because we've seen in recent years, a lot of, uh, white practitioners trying to push themselves into closed traditions that yes. belong to people of color yep. or indigenous people um, trying to push themselves in and justifying a right to that information because they were indigenous in their last lifetime mm-hmm. or they were black in you know three lifetimes yeah. ago and so why can't i have access to this and to to be completely frank that's not who you are now you, you may have been an indigenous person in your last lifetime, but you're a white person now. You have no right yeah. to those practices in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, if you evolved uh, out of that lifetime, if in that lifetime you were indigenous, and in this lifetime you have now changed, I shouldn't say evolved, I should say changed because there's no real evolution there. But um, as you have changed from one lifetime to another, usually that's an indication that you got what you needed from that prior life, mm-hmm. right? Like you did that, you completed that work, you did that lesson, you you had the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you're born under these circumstances because now this is what you need to yeah. do. And these are the circumstances that are going to be best for you to do this. Exactly. Right? And so, yeah, so I want to talk about that because... I continue to see certain people try to create loopholes for themselves to try to say well, like, well, I deserve this. And it's like, no, you, no, don't, you des- don't, you, you don't, don't deserve, deserve anything. anything. Um, no one deserves anything. I, I have very distinct memories of past lives where I practiced voodoo, like Haitian voodoo. And I, there is just, I have a past life connection there. I love, respect, and honor that culture so much, but I am not a part of that culture mm-hmm. in this life. I am white. Yeah. I was born into a group of uh, a family of Mediterranean practitioners and root worker, conjure workers who, you know, are, are my ancestors helped with the Underground Railroad and we, we freed slaves and we did all we could to help. But I am not. I am not black in this life, and therefore. Just because I have a connection and I could probably pull some things out of that life that I have to like show a valid connection. That's not my path in this life. Gotcha. And with those spirits um, that have made themselves known, because I've had the readings, I've had the readings, I've sat down and I've had someone work with me on those and um, I've paid those monies, I've paid those dues. Um, uh, I can honestly say like, Though those spirits are calling me and they want me, I finally had to have a, a sit down with them probably about four months ago and say, no, I love and I honor you, but this is not my path in this life. So I will light a candle for you here. I will say a, say a prayer to you here. I'll give you offerings of incense. I'll try and observe as much as I can, but this is not my place. And so while I love and I honor you, okay. I do not have the ability to go. Okay. Oof. Okay. That was a, that was a lot of words. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Getting back to the initial point I wanted to make by bringing this up, though. Okay. Lifetime after lifetime, right? A lot of things can change, Mm -hmm. right? We are born into each lifetime with particular work that we need to do. Mm -hmm. 
with a particular understanding and realization. And I think oftentimes not a conscious memory, but some sort of primitive memory of maybe what we've experienced previously in prior lifetimes. Um, but our physical circumstances are, are often very different, right? Like we can mm -hmm. be, we're, we're, we're both men and women, right? Yep. Life in different lifetimes. We, you know, we're born in all kinds of cultural kinds of situations, right? We have to go through processes of, of religion and belief, you know, we have to learn those lessons around faith and spiritual spirituality. Um, you know, we, we are born with all kinds of skills and abilities. You know, we do certain things in our lives. Like, like I've got had a couple of clients come and see me who, uh, you know, in the process of doing a palm reading, you know, they've had really intense, like I'm, I'm a, a carpenter, I'm a craftsperson. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a Mason. I'm like, I'm these kinds of things, you know, and, and that's all been information that's been kind of hidden in the area of their palm that, that actually references past lives, you know, and I'll, I'll be relaying that to them and they'll be like, oh my God, it's so weird because, you know, I don't really do any of that on a professional level, but in this lifetime, like I love to renovate houses, mm -hmm. you know, or I, or yes, I do. I, I actually, I, I work as a carpenter. I do carpentry work mm -hmm. and, you know, and, you know, it's like, well, this is something you probably have done before. It's in you. You know, it was in you, you know, mm -hmm. and so, um, so those kinds of circumstances pop up too. Um, can you think of anything else that would be different lifetime after lifetime to lifetime for people? That would be different? Well, just in the ways that I think that people evolve, because I think that one of the things that comes up a lot in conversation, you know, when you talk about something like reincarnation, and this is a very human thing. I think we all do this and it takes some practice or some work to get around this. But I think that very often when we start to think about the possibility that we could be living another lifetime or that we have lived another lifetime, it can be difficult for us, I think, to be able to look at what that is and to, to be able to fathom who we could have been other than who we are now, mm -hmm. right? Like it's difficult to think like, 400 years ago, I could have been a woman in Asia, you know, and what would that experience have been like? What would it have felt like perhaps to be in that era, in that culture, to, to be female, you know, I mean, I, you know, and so I think, and of course it comes down to just, we just don't have the conscious connection to that, right? Because that's not who we are. But, but if we're going to be open and, and, you know, really and fully embrace a concept like, uh, you know, reincarnation and, and adopt that into our spiritual practice, we, we, we do need to be able to look at those things. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to consider just the difference and understand that that's, that's part of it. That's an important thing. Mm -hmm. Can't always be who we are today, right? Exactly. I, I agree with that. I mean, people who have very strong ties to past lives will generally find themselves obsessed with certain points in history. Yeah. Um, what, what, what really gets me is when they're obsessed with characters like Cleopatra and... Oh, yes. Everybody had to have been some sort of queen or king. Yes. Or, and it's yeah. like, no, probably not. You were probably just a pauper. A pauper? Yeah. A poor person? Yeah. A peasant? Yeah. Ew. Go on. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but you still lived a life. Much like, you know, I am not a millionaire. But I still learn things of value and have things I love in this life. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very interesting. That's your third yawn. I'm sorry. I'm counting now. Okay. <clears throat> okay. This is touching back or stripping back to something that we kind of talked about earlier. Okay. Are we always human? In some traditions, you you are taught... Uh, some traditions and cultures believe that we always come back as human. And there are others that think we do not. 
I believe that we do have the capability to live lives that are not human, but I believe that those are also effectively a learning experience for the spirit and soul. I guess maybe I should clarify by what I mean by not human. Okay, I'm not talking aliens. Okay, I'm not. I'm not talking that. Okay, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm not talking that. I'm, I'm referring, I think, to more of this idea that of, of again of the evolution of the soul and how it's it's believed in a lot of different cultures that you know we begin as a, as what would be considered a lower form of life, right? Like mm -hmm. we start as maybe an insect or a plant, you know, or you know of some kind of tree. Who knows, right? And then over the course of you know, many lifetimes, whatever, you know, our spiritual energy moves and it moves and it moves and we evolve and we learn and blah, blah, blah. And once we, and once we get to the level of human, you know, that like once we reach that level that we've learned enough, we've evolved enough and we have become complex enough in our consciousness, our sentience, mm -hmm. that there really is no purpose at that point for us to evolve kind of backward. Like we don't need to become anything other than human at that point. Right. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that those different beliefs that any of those are right or wrong, uh, but based on the experiences that we've had um, and with communication that we've had from a lot of spirits, I, I don't think I've ever had an interaction with someone on the other side, a spirit that where they've been able to, um, like that just, that just hasn't happened. Like I've never had a spirit say, oh yeah, you know, I, I chose this lifetime to, you know, to come back as a dog, you know, my last lifetime, I was, you know, like a businessman in New York, you mm -hmm. know, and it was like, I just, I, it doesn't seem to work that way. And again, I think it has a lot to do with the way that our consciousness is always evolving, right? Yeah. Once we get to that point of humanity where we become self-aware enough to be able to grasp these kinds of things in a, in a, in a, like, again, in a real conscious way, like we don't need to move backward at that point. So I don't know what's, what's been your experience on that? Have you had any kind of interaction with, with anybody on the, on the other side or any of your clients that have, have you heard stories from anyone else? I've had personal experiences where I was doing regressive work and I remember I was moving through like foliage 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 and so like a forest yeah and i didn't necessarily feel human all my senses were heightened mm -hmm. so i don't know if i was like doing some sort of shape shifting or something but but i've had those experiences so i cannot confirm that uh, on that end but it is very much one of those things where i've known people who have said that they've lived these experiences and i personally damn it that's four four yawns I personally experience and believe um, that the individuals who usually have a hard time adjusting to certain aspects of life, it could possibly be that, that they haven't had a life where they've had to deal with that before or something. Okay. Even as, even as like a non-human soul. Okay. Or maybe that will bring in the concept of other kin. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a that's a tangent I don't want to have to go down today. That's a conversation I just yeah I just don't want to have to yeah. The whole other kin thing is because uh, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Um, 
let's talk about spirit school. Um, this is this is another term I think for you and you and Vlad last night. You did the seance at the shop. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you did that like purely working as mediums, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the things that that kept uh, uh, coming up, or at least came up like two or three times, as you were talking to the human, like the living, excuse me, the living people there who were t- having you talk to their, you know, their their loved ones that had passed, um, was this concept of like of shedding of how we, you know, we move beyond this life, and once we get past this, you know, we have to go through most souls, you know, have to go through this period of time where we. Um, we have to kind of, like, I guess, download that prior lifetime's experience. Like, we have to process that, mm-hmm. you know, and then we have to, I think, on the other side, we have to not only share that experience, perhaps, with other souls and, you know, other types of, you know, sentient kinds of kinds of beings on the other side. But um, but I think there's also this this time that we have in the process there where we do some healing you know, we, we come to terms with some stuff, you know, we acknowledge maybe the areas in that lifetime, maybe where we, we didn't always do our best, right. Or we, we maybe screwed it up, you know? Um, and then we learn, it's almost like then I think we kind of beyond that, we get to a point where we have to then kind of like, okay, like here's now, here's the next assignment is almost kind of like how it, it's been described by a lot of spirits, you know? Um, so what's your what's your what's your take on that as as a medium as someone who communicates with with you know spirits somewhat regularly what's what's been your experience or what's your take on the concept of something like that like spirit school well every single time that someone sits down with me um and they want to talk to great aunt bethy whatever whoever bethy i don't know and i can't connect to that spirit there's I get a lot of times, like, sounds like her. She was not a good person in life. And it's like, then one, why would you want to talk to them? Uh Second, then that means that they're probably doing some processing and learning of their own. Mm -hmm. You know, when we die, it's not like we become these majorly enlightened beings. And then... That's true. We don't. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the fact that in this life, we hated that you had your ears pierced now means nothing and we are fully accepting of that if your great aunt bethy died and she hated that you had tattoos and piercings her spirit is going to hate still that you have tattoos and piercings that's not going to change if she hasn't moved past that limitation if she hasn't moved past that limitation that's not you know that's not going to change and so yeah that process of shedding is a very important part some sheds take longer than others Mm -hmm. um I mean, we have a spirit that we interact with pretty consistently who has been in spirit school for a minute. You talking about my grandmother? Maybe. Jerk. And finally, she's when her spirit comes around, it feels a little different. It's just not as aggressive. It's hmm. true. Yeah, she's still judgy. Yes, yeah. Well, I think yeah, I think she's finally getting it. She was a very complicated woman in life, yes. and she became no less complicated in death. Um, so yeah, that concept of spirit school or shedding is something that I agree with. And when a lot of people want to connect with individuals who've had a hard life, who had addiction issues, who had um, lots of trauma that they never dealt with, 
that's a lot that that individual is having to get rid of. Well, because that trauma is going to come up mm-hmm. later. Those issues of trauma, and of course, you're not at that point. You're not processing them. Pro, excuse me, processing them in the way that you would as a living person, right? But exactly. those those issues are still needing to be faced. They're and, still needing to be faced. They're still needing to be brought some sense of balance too. See, and that's one of the the arguments that I put forth when someone talks to me about the concept of something like, bless you, when someone talks to me about the concept of something like generational traumas, like, or or intergenerational traumas and like family traumas and curses and things. So I'm like, okay, when that person that maybe was the start of that, that trauma, that, see, that first generation of trauma or whatever, you know, when they move beyond this life... They're still going to have to heal around that trauma. They're just going to have to either, one, do it on the other side, or they're going to have to set up what would appear to be, or what would probably be like a new spiritual contract around resolving that, and then that work would probably then have to happen in their next lifetime. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, and that's where we see cycles. Yeah, well, and see, in something like that, where you're looking at, okay, now we've got this this tr- you know traumatic experience or this need for healing to happen around this that would now have gone from one lifetime to the next, but that's still the same soul. Yeah. That does not mean that that trauma is now the responsibility of the other souls in that circle. Yeah. So I just I just always found that to be kind of an interesting counterpoint to the concept of, of generational trauma. Um are you okay? Sorry. You've been yawning and sneezing through this whole podcast now. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Um, what about the concept of spirit school for someone that was, say, say like, like what we could identify in human terms? Because evil is a human thing. Yes, it is. A lot of people like to ascribe the concept of evil to spirits, <laughs> the devil, whatever. Evil is, it always has been invented and sustained by humans it's a human thing mm-hmm. okay um and fortunately truly evil people are are extremely rare they really are you know um i think in my lifetime i've met two people that i can honestly say were evil people um most of the rest of the people are just you know they're selfish or they're confused or fearful or two people who are evil i don't want to go into that right now um anyway but what about what about the concept of spirit school for someone that we would identify as like a truly evil person? Like we're talking like Hitler level evil. I think. Or like, oh God, who else? Like Ted Bundy level evil. Like, so this could just be the human ego talking. Most likely. But when we have individuals like that, I've, the feel that I've gotten from it is they don't they don't necessarily go back to spirit school. Okay, it's almost like they ju- are just taken back into the void. Okay, yeah, it's like their soul and their spirit is so dark and so tainted and toxic that the only thing that can bring balance to that situation mm-hmm. is effectively removing it from existence. Yeah. It's like they, they, they do, they have to be kind of removed from the, the cycle. Yeah. And once they are removed from the, the cycle, it is deep, deep, deep processing 
on like a I think I think those are put back into the collective for everyone to learn from, if that makes sense. Which the is why memory. we have yes, which is why we have huge issues around systemic racism. Which is why we would have issues around that and why for some reason there are these 80, 90 year old people who are like no, 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 racism doesn't exist. And it's like, but it does. It's still very much here because of individuals Sorry, did like that, you. Did that old person say racism doesn't exist? Yes. Is that what that was? Okay. All right. And they're there to create a collective shadow for all of humanity. So, for, Does that make sense? Well, kind of in a roundabout way, yes. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm you know, drawing that drawing that back to what we were talking about a moment ago. Okay, so when you say you have the soul of someone that is you know, like a truly evil person, you know, a soul that because of of the direction that it's taken, because of the decisions that it made in whatever lifetime, lifetimes, um, a soul that really beyond the memory of its personal experiences in doing those things. Because that's the value, right? If you look at the concept, context of something like a soul contract, and we're going to get into that here in a moment, but when you look at the context of something like a soul contract and the way that souls on the other side exchange information about life experience, right? Um, only the memory of the experience that that evil person has had is really going to be of value to the rest of the collective, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to be hopefully something that will tell all those other souls like, hey, in your next lifetime, don't be this person. Don't do these things. There was no true happiness here as a result of this behavior. This was just nothing but destruction and suffering, right? So, but the soul itself, you say it, it is returned to the void. Now, does that mean based on the communication? And I'm, I'm leading you on here because I already know you and I, you know, we, we've dealt with situations where we already kind of have an answer on this, but to, to share with our listeners, when those souls are returned to the void, are they destroyed does that is that it for that soul or for that piece of consciousness or is there a way that that soul eventually could be redeemed and rejoin the cycle i i think the soul itself is destroyed but the memory and the spiritual imprint stains all that is. So once again, you're talking about how the experience that that soul had and what it accomplished is something that is potentially added to the collective, yes. right? Like the other souls yes. that are, were in connection to that one will somehow yes. gain the wisdom of that, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I do believe that there is a capability... I mean, when we're talking about the void, the void is where all things come from and all things return. Yes, yeah. When we talk about the void on this podcast, because we've talked about the void before, we're talking about the concept of a metaphysical void, the, the concept of the void as it pertains to witchcraft practice. Um, and also, I think, several folk traditions, you know, where we see um, the void not as a concept of nothingness, but the void is a concept of uh, potential. Yes. Like, the void is... The beginning and the end and as a result it is the potential for for all things mm -hmm. so okay so so i do believe that those things can be destroyed okay but it's all circumstantial okay. right uh i personally have not encountered 
a Hitler spirit. No, and I guess that's one of the things that, again, you know, talking about that, um, we've, we've had a lot of people ask us, and I think, you know, through different opportunities to communicate, you know, we've shared this with a lot of other people. Um, some of you who are listening to this episode, maybe you've even heard Austin and, and or I talk about this in the past, but um, these souls, when you think, you know, when you think back to these souls, like these people that were for in whatever way truly evil and they did horrible things in their lifetimes, you know, people, I mean, purely for the sake of just being evil, you know, um, these people, they, they don't, they don't rejoin. Like they don't recycle. Mm -hmm. They they don't they don't reincarnate, um, which is an interesting point. And getting back to what I was saying a moment ago about how we've talked about this before, but in all the years that we've been in communication with spirits, and I'm not I'm not talking you and I just. I'm talking the the elders in our coven prior generations back, other members of our coven now, people outside of our coven. We've never had a single soul come through and say or confirmed to us that there was actually a hell. Correct. Um, we've, we've even had souls come in and, and say that, like, Zion is a lie. And, like, we, we've had souls come through and confirm that there's not really a heaven or a hell. Well, well, that's, I mean, and that, that varies soul to soul, because and I think really what that comes down to is every soul, every person, when they pass on, I think because of what they've chosen to believe in that lifetime, they have an expectation of what's coming. Yes. And a lot of the times those souls are, they're surprised. They get to the other side and they're like, oh my God, this isn't what I thought it was. You know, I thought I was, according to all the religious people I chose to believe, I, I was a sinner and I thought I was going to go to hell and there was no hell. There's, there's no hell, you know? And so I guess that's the one thing that I would want to say, going back to these concepts of these souls, you know, evil souls or souls for whatever reason that have to be kind of taken out of the cycle of reincarnation is that does not necessarily mean that these souls are then put in like a hell kind of a place. They're not tormented forever. You know, they just basically, they just stop. Yeah. You know, and that energy is, I think, kind of recycled into yeah. something else, right? And so, so I think that's interesting. And, and again, those of you who are listening, you know, please, you know, please hear that when we tell you that we we've talked to I don't know how many different spirits from all over the place, different cultures, different religions, you know, whatever, you know, and and we've never we have never had a single soul tell us that there is a hell. It just it just isn't. It doesn't exist. So please don't live in fear. Be a good person, right? Be a good person because that's what we all should be doing, right? We should all be trying our best to be good people and to contribute because that just helps everybody, right? Including us. But but don't be afraid of hell because everything we've gotten in the realm of spirit communication tells us that it doesn't exist. It's a, it's a bullshit concept thought up by human men to try to maintain power over you. That's all that is. All right. Let's talk about soul contracts. We really, we've already kind of talked a lot about these in roundabout ways, but how would you define a soul contract? Have you say? I would define a soul contract as a, as an agreement upon a particular lesson, experience, or requirement that the soul must go through to achieve its next 
evolution. It's next evolution. Okay. So, okay. So to be clear, okay. When we talk about soul contracts, okay. We're not talking about twin flames. Because twin flames are bullshit. That's not, that's not a real thing. Twin flames are not a real thing. Um, but we could be. We could be talking about a soulmate connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not in the context of like a romantic found the love of my life kind of soulmate. But in the reality that... We come into connection with many soulmates mm-hmm. throughout the course of our life, lives, and each of those soulmates is most likely someone that we have a soul contract with, and there is some sort of work that we are supposed to do for each other. We are there's a lesson that we are supposed to learn together. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you agree? I agree. Okay. All right. And more often than not, I find those are also not romantic or are not meant to be mm-hmm. romantic kinds of situations. I think there still is this very, um, you know, this very, I mean, I don't even know, you know, people, I think because of the way that we live and because of the value that we place on things like, you know, romantic love and relationships and sex and these kinds of things. And not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, right? But but because of the, the priority that those things have in our culture, um, we have when we start to talk about something like a soulmate, everybody immediately goes to this like, oh, my one true love. And it's yeah. like, no, the majority of the soulmates that you're going to meet are going to have nothing to do with romantic love. They're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. If anything, that's going to get in the way of the work you're supposed to do. So don't try to do that, you know, unless it maybe it's going that direction. Right. And then if, if, you know, then wonderful, but don't automatically assume that every soulmate is someone that you're supposed to jump into a relationship with or jump into bed with. Okay. <clears throat> a soulmate. Go, I'll go, please go a ahead. A soulmate okay. is, is simply, is simply put in very, very layman's terms is another soul that you have such a strong connection with that it is palpable. You can have that connection with your partner, but you could also have that connection with your best friend, your sister, your worst enemy. You could have that connection with your freaking dog. That's true because our animal friends can be soulmates too. Yes. You know? And so, I mean, hell, manager numero uno over here. Toby. Toby. Is he senior management? He is senior management. Oh, all right. I guess that would make sense. He's been around the longest. Yes. And okay. he, he and I have a special bond, a special connection. And I, I firmly believe that he is a, he, we're soulmates because yeah. he found me at a lowest point in my life. I found him and saved him. And to this day, if I'm upset, he's right there. He's right there. He knows. He can tell. If I'm in pain, he can tell. And I can tell if something's wrong with him. So, so what kind of work could you... I, I mean, to, to add to that, yes, you feel that depth of connection. But I, I've also noticed in uh, doing uh, spiritual work for others, you know, not, not you know myself, but also in, in facilitating spiritual work for others over the years, it, it also seems to me that, that most of the time those soulmate connections, like there's there's a sense of purpose there. Yes. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. that we're connected, like we're supposed to accomplish something, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you may not know consciously what that is, but usually that's what mm-hmm. kind of ends up happening, right? Um, I, I can say that the, the purpose for, for the connection with Toby is... 
the concept that that I had to learn that love is not romantic. Like, I don't have to have a romantic love in order to be loved and valued by someone or something. Um, what other kinds of lessons do you think would be, could potentially be facilitated through a soulmate contract? Like, what is, what would that look like? Um, other, other lessons could be things like boundaries. Okay. Learning how to set healthy boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, standing up for yourself or standing up for other people. Compassion. Uh, it, it could be a fulfillment upon a path that you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it okay. could be... You could have someone who you always give really, really good advice to and you have a really strong connection with them and it could be your gateway into psychotherapy so that way you could actually do that work for mm -hmm. other people yeah, and fulfill that contract. There's so many different things. Yeah, true. Hmm. Do you think of anything we haven't really addressed? These were, I think, some of the the big points that came up through the contact or the the conversation around this episode. Do you think of anything that we've missed? Well, we talk. Let's let's talk a little bit about like generational curses that people have been talking about because you you did talk about those earlier, mm -hmm. um, but we've we've been asked a lot lately about womb. W-O-M-B, womb healing. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time someone asked me about this, I gave them the look, this look of like, what the f Well, because Go to a gynecologist. new age bullshit is what it is. Exactly. And so I told her, I was like, oh, well, we don't have anyone who does that here because we're a metaphysical shop. Maybe you That's, should go to a yeah, doctor. I think the first time I heard that, I thought the same thing. I thought like, like, like Yoni steaming. Like, what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah. Like I had no idea what we were talking about. Yeah. And then they explained it to me and I was like, oh, ancestral, ancestral healing. And people, it, I've been put here to heal thousands of people, mm -hmm. thousands of ancestors. And well, that's lightworker savior complex. Exactly. And, yeah. and the thing is, is, how do you heal your ancestors? If you do truly have some sort of generational curse, the easiest way for you to break said curse and to stop the cyclical trauma is to do the healing for you. You know, if you are someone whose family has just a nasty, nasty, nasty history of sexual abuse and you suffered sexual abuse, but you've not gone to, th to therapy to get any proper treatments, coping mechanisms, anything like that, and instead you're internalizing it, you're just going to continue that cycle, whether that is you having the potential to be the abuser, or continuing to be abused, or attracting someone who could then potentially abuse others around you. Mm -hmm. Because you haven't done the healing work for you. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate, because now... There's this idea that, well, I can just heal others, and therefore I'm a wounded healer. No, that's, that's, that's bullshit. Yeah. That is, that, that is not what even the concept of a wounded healer is. Well, well, I mean, I guess, again, depending on different cultures, that could be what the concept of a wounded healer is, but, but it's a bullshit concept. You're, you really, you're 
I don't think most most people I don't think are really going to be in a position to do truly effective people or, or excuse me, truly effective healing for people on a particular thing until they themselves have truly been able to overcome that thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're still in the midst of your own work, if it comes to, say, like an issue of alcoholism in your family, like and you're still really struggling with your own addiction or what that pain has brought to your family, though it might make sense because of the close emotional connection that you have to that for you to be involved in counseling or helping others probably not probably not you probably need to hold off and continue to do what you need to do for yourself mm-hmm. before you put yourself in a position to try to facilitate that mm-hmm. healing for someone else yeah so that's where i think we see trouble around the, mm-hmm. the archetype of a wounded healer um so what about what about traumas from past lives that seem to carry over into this life well, I think, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, you know, and I, I think that what we've seen through spirits that we've communicated with over the years is that they they didn't get it the last time, right? Like they, it wasn't, it wasn't even so much about the trauma because it's, you know, it's my, my firm belief and there will be a lot of people out there that I'm sure will probably argue this, you know, and that's okay, right? Because we're all entitled to believe what we want to when it comes to this shit, but um but it's my belief, and I, and I base that belief off what I've seen in my own life and what I've seen in the lives of so many people that I've worked with over the years. But most of the time, the traumas that we experience, these are traumas that are, are a lot of the time set up for us on a soul level because that really is the only way that we're going to be able to complete the work that we need to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we have certain means or ways to learn lessons and to grow and evolve but you i'm sure agree with me when i say that humans by nature we we very rarely do we learn lessons the easy way yeah you know like we need someone to bring us to the edge of death before we get it a lot of the time right and you know and that's unfortunate but but it just it it is what it is and you know and so i think that when you see traumas that happen in one lifetime um that trauma was probably an experience or something maybe that was set up to either teach you as the person who received that trauma or it might not even be about you right it's probably it could potentially be about the person that inflicted the trauma on you maybe that was a lesson for them right Mm -hmm. they need to to learn they personally needed to learn what it felt like to be the perpetrator of that trauma to hurt someone in that way right because there's a lesson for them there in that too Right? So potentially you see both people, both souls around a situation like that, given an experience that, yeah, sucks, shitty, no one should ever have to go through this. But if we handle this in the right way, not only within this lifetime, but beyond this lifetime, we both have the ability as souls to learn from this and to make sure that as souls, we never have to experience anything like this again. You know, and that should be how we do it. But because we, again, as humans, I think tend to be very fearful by nature, right? And when, I'm, when I mean fearful, I'm talking about when we are forced to have to face a need for healing around trauma, our first instinct is to run away from that. Mm-hmm. that. That is painful healing. And, you know, and the last thing we want to do is, is to invite more trauma upon our trauma, right? And so we run away from it and it compounds and we don't learn the lesson. Or we do the complete opposite. And we just continue to allow our trauma to define us. It's true. We become over-identified with our trauma, which is also a trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've had this conversation with several people, in particular when, when they're students of the craft and me, and they're working with me personally. 
and they just can't seem to get over that trauma. They just can't seem to want to do the work. Instead, they put themselves in a position to help others with that work, but avoid mm -hmm. doing any work themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. They avoid 100% any responsibility of healing on their own end. And I, I had this conversation with someone. I said, so I honestly think it's because you don't know who you're going to be without your trauma. Mm -hmm. your trauma will still yeah, be there. Yeah, I've had fairly similar conversations. Yeah. You know, your trauma will still be there. It'll, it's still a part of who you are. It's what has made you this person. But if you continue to allow your trauma to make you the victim, then you're always going to be the victim. Yeah. Scouters. But those, But those are the people who... I think are more likely to move beyond this lifetime and into the next and carry this, which is also tricky because again, if you think about the concept of something that we were talking about earlier, we talked about spirit school. What that would tell me is that that soul passed this lifetime and because they didn't get the lesson, they didn't get the opportunity to go through spirit school. They had to immediately cycle back through mm -hmm. to another lifetime where they had to face maybe under slightly different circumstances, but they had to face the same trauma until they were able to work through that, you know? And that to me, I think is more likely what is behind the belief or the idea of something like intergenerational or generational trauma. You know, it has more to do with the individual soul than the family. Yeah. So, so what about wounds, like actual physical wounds from past lives that could potentially affect us in this life. Well, I think that those... Have you ever witnessed anything I have, like that? I have. Actually, I have, actually. It's funny that you bring that up. Yeah, it's... Um, I have. And actually, just recently, had a client that I dealt with something like that with. Um, and again, I think that a lot of those times, those things hold um, a purpose. There's a memory to that, right? Um, like, I guess, I guess what I'm basing that is, okay, so recently, I had someone come and meet with me, and we did some regressive work. And... Um, this person had had always had uh, particular like pain and difficulty and and they were even like accident prone like this this one area of their body that they consistently found like they were hurting they were you know bumping they were you know all these this one area you know and they'd already had like issues with pain in that area of their body to begin with and um and through the process of regressing and doing some work on that we we were able to determine that in a lifetime you know like like a few lifetimes back you know that um that they had had in that lifetime a very serious injury to that area of their body um and it was not the physical injury itself that was, was truly the source of the trauma or that held the lesson there it was the circumstances around the injury you know it was the understanding that someone that they thought loved them and that they could put absolute their absolute trust in could betray them in such a horrible way that they would be physically harmed. That was the lesson, you know? And so when I see people that come to me who have these lingering kinds of issues, you know, and of course you want to exhaust all your other options, right? Like, like what are the mundane explanations for this? Right, are right? you, you really, know, truly just like, yeah, exactly. You know, like you have to look into all those things too, but if it does get to a point where you're able to say, okay, because of this process of elimination, we can now safely say, and we've been able to confirm through some spiritual work that this is what's going on. That to me, I find it is a moment where you have to, to help that person as, as the practitioner. I've, I've had to help that person say, okay, 
This is the physical symptom of, of a much bigger pain. Yeah. The pain that you don't identify with or can't identify with consciously on a physical level because it happened lifetimes ago. But this is the moment. This is the experience. And it's been my experience that if those people can look at their issues around that. So again, this client, okay? And it's talking about this with this person saying, if you could work with your issues around this sense of betrayal, this is probably something that could help you facilitate some actual, like some physical healing. Like you could see that mirrored, um, you know, because that had also been something that had carried over a few lifetimes. You know, this, this was someone who had real issues of, of betrayal and fear of being betrayed in a very intimate relationship kind of situation, you know, um, you know, unexplainably because they had never really dealt with anything like that in this lifetime, but with all those pieces lined up or connected, you know? And so I, that was what I told this person. I was like, I, I want you to, instead of focusing so much on the physical pain, like we'll do what we can to facilitate this so that you're not dealing with the pain. But what I need you to do is I need you to focus on this instead, because this lingering memory of this betrayal, this is behind your pain. Um, and so I've seen that happen a lot with wounds, lifetime after lifetime. And again, to me, it's been an issue of there's still a lesson here. The lesson isn't the wound. The wound is a sign of the lesson. Cool. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Just validated. Okay. Yeah. Like you and I have had these conversations before. So I know you, you have, you've had similar experiences. Vlad as well. Vlad, Vlad, Vlad would validate that what also. What does that mean for my fibro? I don't know. You need to do some regression and find out where your, your fibros connected. What if it was because I was burned in a past life? Um, because that's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah, like my nerves are on fire. Yeah, I mean, you know, from what you've told me about the the fibro and from what I've heard from other people, I mean, I, I, I get mean, that. fucking eyes. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I remember you know as a child. Um, when I, when I say child, I'm talking like infant. Like my mother will tell stories of me, like not even a year old and laying in my crib at night and just like, just shrieking and screaming and, you know, and not like I'm, you know, woke up in the middle of the night. I'm a baby. I'm hungry. I, I you know, need a clean diaper kind of shrieking, but like, like, like screaming, like I'm in pain, you know, and it got to a point, I think my mother, because, you know, we're, we're witches. My mother took all of my siblings, every every one of us over the years when we were younger, my mother would always take us to see astrologers and psychics and things, you know, if it was something she felt like, I'm too close, I can't really look into this for you, mm -hmm. so I'll find someone else I trust, right? So so she took all of us to see other people who had these kinds of gifts and abilities. And she she took um, me to see a psychic that she she knew was, at the time, this woman, woman died years ago, but she was very old when my mother was taking me to, me to see her. So I know she died a long time ago, but, um, and this woman did tell her, she said, she said, well, your son was burned alive in a prior lifetime. And it, it, what I'm picking up on is that even as an infant now, he has some sort of recollection or memory and he's not physically feeling the pain of the fire, but you know, he goes to sleep and he dreams mm -hmm. and in his dreams, there's fire you know, and, you know, and it's scary, you know, and so, and of course you're processing that as an infant, right? So it's not really making a lot of sense, Yeah. but so I think those things happen too. You know, you see people who are born with chronic uh, kinds of health concerns and things. And I, I do absolutely feel that there has to be some sort of spiritual connection there. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a physical thing and it needs to be handled in mundane ways as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like you need to go see your doctor. 
you know, you need to take a medication, you need to have a procedure, whatever it is, you need to handle those things and do those things too. But it does not hurt to also look into the physical or the spiritual implications. No, it doesn't. As long as you, you are continuing the, the mundane part of your treatment, mm -hmm. the spiritual treatment can't do any other harm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spirituality, spiritual healing, these kinds of things are, are never supposed to be a substitute for what we're supposed to do on a practical mundane level. Exactly. You know, like if, you know, you, if you have bipolar disorder, yes, you should take your mood yes. stabilizers take your medication please beyond that you do whatever you want with your spiritual you need practice. something to help manage your stress go see your reiki practitioner while still taking medication yes go see a therapist and when you're done with your therapy appointment go see your reiki practitioner right i actually have a client who does that exactly and it works she, really well well yeah actually she's like i she's like i will either go to my therapy appointment mm -hmm. and then make sure that I have a Reiki session with you mm -hmm. or I'll have a Reiki session with you and go to my therapy appointment. Mm -hmm. And it's been very interesting because when she came to me, um, the first time she was headed to her therapy appointment after my Reiki session mm -hmm. and she messaged me. She's like, I just had the best emotional release. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, I feel so relaxed a, and yeah. so at peace. And thank you so much. I'm so glad. And then the next time she had just come from her therapy appointment and she was like, I feel wound up. I feel raw. Like I feel like an open wound. And I started doing work on her. And then afterwards she was like, I feel good. She's like, I feel like I have been wrapped in a blanket and I have a cup of tea and I'm ready to go watch Hocus Pocus. And I'm Ew. like, cool. Mike doesn't like Hocus Pocus. I'm sorry. You you can all stop listening now if you want to. But yes, it's true. I do not like the movie Hocus Pocus. It's poorly acted. It was poorly written. It was poorly written. Bette Midler. Bet okay. Bette Midler. I've I've said in the past when this this argument or discussion has come up, the only good things in that movie are Bette Midler, who's good in pretty much anything. Um, and Kathy Najimy, who played her sister Mary. Yeah. Everyone else in that movie is basically garbage. They can't act. The movie was poorly written to begin with. Okay. Which probably, oh, probably made it hard for those actors. I mean, if somebody hands you a script and it's all basically shit on paper. Yeah. How are you supposed to act with that? Right. Your performance is going to be shit on paper, you know? Um, and, you know, and it was very um, cartoony and outlandish, you know, which is fine, which is fine. Disney. I know it's Disney and it's supposed to be a kid's movie, which I get it. I'm like, absolutely cartoony, outlandish, wonderful, you know, but I'm not a kid. I'm an adult person, I guess. And I watch that movie and I'm like, oh my God, just cut all the fluff out. Oh, that's the other thing that irritates me about that movie is it takes like 45 fucking minutes before they get to the witches. There's all that bullshit at the beginning with all the angst. They're like, oh, Max had to move to a new town and he misses his friends and the bullies stole his shoes. It's not like 45 um, minutes. It, is, it takes forever. It takes 45 forever. minutes is almost the entire movie. Anyway, it takes forever. And then they finally, finally get to the point where they bring the witches in. And it was like, now this is going to get good. And like, oh, no, it didn't. It didn't get any better. Yeah. Anyway... My husband, everyone. Uh, I'm a man of strong opinion. Um, it's okay. You don't have to like Hocus Pocus. All right. I think I like Hocus Pocus enough for the both well, of I us. Well, like, I like things that you don't like, right? That's normal, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
Um, let's 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 switch gears. Okay. Okay, because I think we've talked about reincarnation enough. You know, we've spent an hour now talking about reincarnation pretty much, and I think we talked about some really good points there. Um, as always, if any of you who listen to this, you know, have uh, additional questions or are left confused by something that we've talked about on the podcast, please, please contact us. You can contact us through our social media feeds. Uh, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Um, and we will, we will happily follow up with you and, and get back to you with an answer, okay? Um, so I wanted to do something a little bit different on our podcast. You know, for, since we started doing the podcast, we've always done the what are we loving, what are we hating thing on the podcast, you know? And... You know, and while that's a lot of fun, I, I find that that tends to devolve into basically just a bitch session, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm okay with that. You Did know, someone but complain about our bitch sessions? Just me. Um, no, I think people actually like, like the bitch sessions. I, I mean, we they, are the salty we are the, witches. Yes, we are the salty witches, and I, you know, but I think that we, we, we get salty enough in the process of discussing our topic. I don't know. We didn't get too salty today. No, we really didn't because, you know, I think the conversation today was, you know, the one that we take very seriously. Um, Beyond that, it's just you and me. We don't have our our usual crew, like crew with us. So I noticed we tend to get a little louder and more obnoxious when there are more people with us in the room. But um, anyway, I, instead of doing that, I I wanted to kind of introduce kind of a new segment or a new thing for our, our podcast. I want to talk about, ways that we as witches can support mundane, mundane action when it comes to, like, big issues going on in the world around us. Okay, and so to start, okay, and I know I'm kind of throwing you under a bus here, Austin, but um, but to begin, I want to talk, and what, what I'm going to do is, the whole purpose is I'm going to, where I'm going to choose someone, someone on the podcast can choose a like a topic, something that's happening in the world right now that is fucked up or wrong and we need to change. And of course we want to make sure we, you know, we, we talk to our politicians and we mm-hmm. send money where we need to, and we show up and we protest. We want, we want to do all of those things too, because those are also very important things. We have to, we have to handle things in a physical way, uh, in a mundane way. Okay. But as witches, as magical practitioners, we can support those worldly, those physical, practical efforts with magic, magic, and the spiritual energy, right? Mm-hmm. So, the one I want to talk about, okay, and I want your take on this. I just want to see this is going to kind of be what this is for this first time, okay? Ugh, I'm, I'm nervous. Gonna, you said you're throwing me under the bus. I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw something out, and what I'd like you to do is, I would like you to tell me beyond the mundane. We're not talking about that shit, right? Because we're doing that, right? People are doing that. More people need to be doing that. Um, I want you to talk about what you would do, like ritual-wise, spell-wise, to also support that kind of situation. Okay. Okay, or help that situation. Okay. Okay. So, I want to talk a little bit about, or, or the topic I want to want to throw out for this one this week is the support that we're seeing now for the uh, for missing and exploited Indigenous women. Okay. Okay. So. How would you, as a witch, how would you support mundane actions around that particular situation magically? How could you see doing that? The whole, the whole point in, in, I guess, doing this is it will hopefully keep us a little more positive. It'll help us, I think, to continue to discuss some of these things that are still happening in our world that need to be changing. 
beyond that, I think this is a cool way for us to give people who listen, like, some practical information. Like, this is a spell you can do for this kind of situation. Well, the healer aspect of me, the healer part of me, would say to hold some sort of vigil. Okay. A vigil? A vigil. Um, and do it for the community as a whole. Okay. Okay. So invite everyone in the community to come and join the vigil. So you're talking you're, so you're talking people outside of the indigenous community as well. Yes. Okay. All right. Um and I would like if at all possible, I would try and get an elder of someone. Okay, so an, an indigenous elder. An indigenous elder. Okay. To actually facilitate this. All right. Whilst I, an ally, held safe space for them to honor their dead and help facilitate some sort of healing. Okay. So on a magical level, I would, I would, I would like to hold space for them. Okay. Um, and the vigil work would be to help bring peace to those souls that have been lost. Okay. So, so a working to help bring peace yes. to the souls of the women that have been exploited, abused, and killed. Yes. Okay. Now so, the... Okay, Other, would you need to do a vigil for that, though? Because I mean, that's a lot of additional people. What about, like, just you at home in front of your altar? Me at home in front of my altar? Yeah. I would do the same thing, but I would get names. Like, if, if there are, like, a database somewhere of names um, of these missing people. Well, there is. Okay. Yeah. Then what I would do is I'd get their names. Um, and I would write them on a candle. So I'd write them, usually glass encased candle, um, write them on them, on there. Okay. And then what I would do is I would load that candle with herbs for healing. So lavender for some peace, um, depending on the tribe, if they had a sacred herb that was not closed to utilize, then I would add that in there. Tobacco is always good. Okay. Um, and then I would load it with a healing oil and then I would light that and I would simply, I I'd call the Hecate. Who is a guard, a goddess of the marginalized? Okay. Who who you, who you work with personally? Who I work with personally? Okay. All right. To carry these lost souls, if they are lost, um, to peace. Okay. And I would sit and probably hold 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 space for probably about thirty okay. minutes for that. All right. Now, well, on the other hand, okay, I would also petition for any spirits that feel that they are vengeful to actually rise up with her horde and bring Hecate's the, horde. Hecate's horde. Okay. And bring the abusers, attackers, and so evil so people justice. to justice. Okay. Yes. Alright. Even that means showing up hanging out of a tree. Okay. Um how would you do that? A justice working. A justice working? Um, I probably actually wouldn't use candles for anything other than setting a boundary. Okay. But what I would do is I would create a sigil. I would... This is where I would probably cast a circle. Why would you... Okay, so why would you cast a circle for this? I'm just curious. I wouldn't cast a circle for protection. I'd cast a circle to magnify the presence and to magnify the energy I'm raising. Okay. And to also act as a containment unit 
for these spirits to gather the energy they need so that when they are released, they are not half-formed, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Sort of, but that's okay because this is your spell, so keep going. Um, and then I would create a sigil and release them. I would tell them to find their abusers, find their attackers. Okay. And to destroy them. Bring justice to them. Okay. And I would petition the Horde, Hecate's Horde, to go with them. All right. Okay, well, that's... No, I, I dig it. That's cool. All right. There's probably more, but without revealing certain parts of my practice that I like to well, keep yeah, private... Well, so yeah, I'm thinking, like, like you know, this, you know, just sharing, say, like, more like general, general kinds of mm -hmm. practice... You know guidelines, these kinds of things. Well, so so yeah. so so you, you so you brought up the indigenous the indigenous women, and and that's just very close to me, because I have very close friends who are indigenous. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And well, so well, you've got Sarah, who's yeah, who's. And yeah. so I'm like, I will heal, but I will fuck up anyone. Okay. Um, and I would actually probably utilize the image that's going around with the indigenous woman with the red hand. Mm -hmm. over their face yeah i would probably utilize that um and create maybe like an egregore or a servitor out of that all right and potentially send that image to the attackers okay creating a, a an unrestful spirit okay what about something for protection like for protecting indigenous women that are still you know alive and that would be the third part okay all right that would be the third part because we'd want to bring healing to those other spirits and then vengeful, right? Vengeful and justice. Okay. And then what I would do is I would then um, do some form of protection for them, and I wouldn't use fire for that. Instead, what I would use is I would use um, probably stones. Okay. I'd use stones and earth for okay. that. All right. Because of the connections to earth and land spirits that they have. Gotcha. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing those details. How about you? Um, well, you kind of covered a lot. The only thing that I would probably add to that is I would do... I would do a working, I think, to help improve communication and the working relationship that the elders and the, the people on the res who reses who kind of take uh who kind of function more within the realm of say like police you mm -hmm. know and then an actual like and the u.s federal government because i think that's where you see a lot of breakdown there mm -hmm. with this where this particular issue is concerned is you've got um you know there, there are still rightfully rightfully there are still elders and you know, indigenous people, people who who live on reservations and things, who are are very mistrustful of anybody. Like if you're not from the res, like you're an outsider, and yeah. and they don't want to communicate and talk to other uh, outside cops, outside FBI agents. You know, they don't want to get involved. They don't want to have it. You know, and so I think because of that, there's kind of this attitude now that a lot of tribal elders have, where they're like, if it happens on the res, we'll take care of it. But we're hearing more and more now that this issue is coming to light that that's not happening. Like they're not taking care of anything, you know, um, because I think it's an issue that's just, it's just too big, you know? Um, and so, so I would probably do a working to create some sort of, of unity between those figures, those powers, 
the people who are actually facilitating the running of, of the reservation and then outside government officials who were, who were also intent upon bringing justice to the situation and stopping further uh, violence. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, uh, yeah. So, anyway, so that would, that would be one other thing that I would consider doing. You know, I think it's good. I, I like to try to be proactive. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all for punishing someone who's already committed the crime. But I'm also kind of like, okay, but we also still not have living people that we want to keep safe. So, yeah. so let's be proactive. Let's take care of those. Let's make sure nobody mm -hmm. gets hurt rather than worrying about punishing people who've already hurt others. Right? Well, and, and the thing, the, the, I mean, there's a process to that. So yeah. in which the well, talk yeah, to is going to have different processes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went straight to the healing individual. Yeah. Because if we can do that and we can alleviate some, some sort of spiritual weight or psychic mm -hmm. even weight off of these people mm -hmm. off of them, mm -hmm. then that will allow for a clearer mind. So things can happen okay. so that the justice portion, which is aggressive mm -hmm. can be sought, found and done appropriately. And the protection is to stop it from further from, from it going further. Okay. Now, what would you say? And this is probably going to be a bit, a little bit of a charged question. What would you say to someone who came to you and said you're not indigenous you're not an indigenous spiritual practitioner what right do you have to send magic at a cause like this what would your answer to that person be my answer to them would be what are you doing okay I have just as much right to send magic at this as anyone else because people are getting hurt. People are getting lost and families are being destroyed because of this. All right. Children are losing mothers. Mothers are losing children. And because I'm not indigenous, you want to tell me I cannot help. Well, I don't yet, think it's, I don't think yet it's so much minute, about... Yet the minute, the minute that you need help and I'm not there, it's also my fault. So which is it? Am I allowed to help? Or is it only when you deem it appropriate? I'm not using, I'm not using any indigenous practices. Mm -hmm. I'm not misusing any of those things. I'm not trying to invade the culture. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I'm well versed enough with indigenous spirits to know that if I send energy at this, they'll go, thank you or no, and reject it. And that's completely up to those spirits. I'm an ally, and I will first and foremost always listen to my indigenous people and my people of color. If they tell me we don't want you to send anything at this, I will honor and I will respect them. But I will always come back with, well, what can I do to help? Okay. How would you like me to handle this? Do you need me to just ensure that you have a safe space so that your people can continue to do their rituals and their practices around it? Mm -hmm. Or do you just need me to donate more money? But how am I supposed to help on a spiritual level? Tell me how I can help you, and I will. And if the response is, you can't, then as a witch, and as someone who is a devotee of Hecate, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to guard and protect marginalized people. 
-hmm. So you can accept my help. You can accept or deny my help all you want. You're still going to get it. Okay. You're going to force help on those people. I'm going to force protection around them. That's right. Use the force, Austin. Um, okay, cool. Okay, I'm just curious about that because I know that's also a conversation that comes up. That is a conversation around, that comes like, up. These, these intersectionalities that we see now between like, yes. different communities and where the indigenous community in particular is concerned. I know that, that many indigenous people tend to be very superstitious when it comes to witchcraft. Yes. And so I, that's why I wanted to ask that maybe. Is well, it's got nothing to do with you way, not being indigenous. It has more to do with the, just the difference in spiritual practice. Well, the way that I would probably go about it would be more in a conjure, conjure kind of way. Okay. A conjure or root work kind of way because conjure and root work share some of those indigenous practices because they they would share those practices, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I, well, there are components of conjure that were taken from indigenous American practice. Mm -hmm. You know, well, you know, I shouldn't say taken, but were incorporated, syncretized mm -hmm. into, uh, you know, what we would consider today to be, uh, you know, contemporary conjure or root work practice. Yeah. Practice, you know, that those are practices that are. Uh, very multicultural. Yes. Many people, many different voices contributed to those practices. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, cool. All right. Okay, well, think about that in future, okay, on our next episode. Speaking of, uh, we will be back in the next week. We're going to give you guys an extra, like a bonus episode this month, just in time for, season. just in time for Halloween, or as we call it, Shadow Fest. Um, we will be back in the next week with a new episode. We'll probably have a team of people on that one just to kind of dig into the the topic a little bit uh, because we want to hear a few different voices on that one. We're going to be discussing on that episode, I think, uh, real-life scary stories. We're going to, I think, all share an experience that we've had, a legitimate, like, supernatural, like, something that, that scared us. You know, and discuss those, I think, not only from the perspective of the very human fear, but also as witches and as magical practitioners, how we have come to view that experience after. So, so it should be a good one. And it could be a chance for you it's guys hard for me. to get some info. And I know because once you, when you do this work, you really do, you kind of get to a point where nothing really scares you anymore. Yeah. I worry sometimes like I'm becoming like, like a sociopath or something because I'm like, I should be afraid of this and I'm not like, this is a scary thing and I'm not afraid. You know, I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Um, well, but, there's like a part of me, like, I don't know what story to share. Well, sit, you got, you got a few days to think about it, but anyway, so that's going to be our next episode. And we, we hope that you will join us for that. It should be fun. There should be some good info on that one. And it'll be a chance for you guys to get to know us a little bit better. Uh, you know, personally anyway. So, um, I think that's it for today. Are you feeling good about this? Yeah. Are we calling this an episode? All right. Thank you, everybody. Once again, you can follow us at The Salty Witches on Instagram. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook. I know a lot of y'all aren't using Facebook anymore. I can't say I blame you, but we are there as well. Um, and uh, we will hope that you tune into the, the, the next episode and all those after. Um, anyway, thank you so much. Thank you.